In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we start Lent with Ash Wednesday. And yesterday we celebrated Shrove Tuesday, which is a form of the English word, shrive. One dictionary definition of the word says it means to obtain absolution for one's sins by way of confession and doing penance. So Shrove Tuesday gets its name from the custom for Christians to be shriven before the start of Lent. This day has also been called Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras, which are celebrations and an opportunity to eat and drink as much as possible before we start the fasting of Lent. Today, Ash Wednesday, the recognised start of Lent is a time for reflection and spiritual testing, leading up to Easter Sunday, a period which mirrors the 40 days of testing our Lord spent in the wilderness, resisting the temptations of Satan. It's also the day we impose or dispense the ashes with the words of Genesis 3.19, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. In ancient times, ashes were used to express grief or sorrow for our sins and our faults. In Job 24, Job says to God, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. In Daniel 9, the prophet Daniel recounted pleading to God. I turned to the Lord God, pleading in earnest prayer, with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And in the late second century, the early theologian Tertullian insisted a penitent must live without joy in the roughness of sackcloth and in the squalor of ashes. That's a little harsh. But Christians continued the practice of using ashes as an outward sign of their inner penitence and repentance. By the end of the 11th century, it was customary across the whole of Western Europe for all the faithful to receive as ashes only on the first day of Lent. Now for us, Lent is also our chance to practice spiritual warfare against temptation to sin and avoid those consequences. So what is temptation? How does it relate to sin? And how are we delivered from the consequences of sin? Temptation is the enticement to sin, as depicted in writings by the apostles, writers and theologians throughout the centuries, and more recently in popular movies. St. James, in his letter to the early church, wrote, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And Oscar Wilde, the famous Irish writer, once said, I can resist anything but temptation. And C.S. Lewis, the Anglican theologian and writer in his book, Mere Christianity, states, Sinful thoughts lead to actions which leave a mark 
on our inner lives forever. He suggests that spiritual sins are worse than the physical sins of the flesh. He also writes about how the devil works within us. He says, the devil sends errors into the world in pairs, pairs of opposites. And he always encourages us to spend a lot of time thinking which is worse. He relies on your extra dislike of the one error to draw you gradually into the opposite one. So he sends temptation in pairs. And we don't recognise them as pairs. But when we think of one is worse, he gives us a choice for a different temptation. Notice there's no good choices or good options in what he provides. So these opposites are very closely linked together in the way the devil tempts us. But like the devil who sends temptations into the world in pairs, our God also addresses these temptations to sin by leading us to think of the consequences and pairing each habitual sin or vice with a corresponding virtue. So he does present the choices, one good and one bad. So temptation is a test of a person's ability to choose good, the virtue, instead of evil, the sin or vice. Everyone is tempted, but it's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. But sin occurs when we make the wrong choices. And to be able to choose wisely, we first need to be able to identify what evil we're being tempted into and then react with a relevant practice that leads us away from it and into virtuous behaviour. Now we know about temptation, but what are these sins? Well, the seven deadly sins, as defined in the 6th century by Pope Gregory the Great, provide a great way that we can remember them with the words pale gas. They are pride, an excessive belief in one's own abilities, avarice, desire for ever more material wealth or gain, lust, powerful craving for sex, power or money, envy, resentful longing for someone else's possessions or status, gluttony, excessive eating and drinking, anger, loss of rational self-control, sloth, laziness and the avoidance of work. Of these sins, pride is the key gateway sin. Because once we believe that we're more important than we really are and do not need God's guidance, it leads us to excuse our behaviour and then commit other sins. It's a gateway that we can go through to those other sins. When we're prideful, we may be tempted into thinking, we've got this. And we may be deceived into thinking a decision or an action is so small and simple that we can handle it. But every day we're living on earth with both good and evil present at all times. And the best we can do is to recognise evil really does exist and then try to resist it. 
There's one great image I have from C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, where he explains that Satan's greatest trick is to try and convince us that he doesn't exist. He says devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination. Any faint suspicion of existence begins to arise, suggests a picture of something in red tights. And he says, persuade that person that since he cannot believe in that, it's an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. So if we can't believe in the devil in red tights, it's easier for us to say we just don't believe the devil exists. This is a perfect example of how we can be deceived into not recognizing evil. And we need to recognize Satan's deceits and develop opposite virtues through practices we can learn and take on in our daily day-to-day behavior. Humility in recognizing we need God and his guidance at all times. Generosity in giving some of our possessions away, especially those to less fortunate. Temperance through periodic fasting and avoidance of excess. Chastity that moderates excessive desire. Satisfaction with what we have, recognizing all our gifts from God. Patience to endure all situations without destructive feelings. Diligence in our habits of prayer and paying attention to whatever work we undertake. These inner virtues are character traits learned through teaching and practice, which all show up as outward signs in our words and in our actions. And in Lent, we have an opportunity for our own virtuous practice time. So we should all treat Lent as our spiritual gymnasium, as we train in the practices which will shape our day-to-day lives. Amen.